This is the Disability Visibility Podcast with your host, Alice Wong. Welcome to the Disability Visibility Podcast. Conversations on disability politics, culture, and media. I'm your host, Alice Wong. Editing is an art form. Whether you're working on something of your own or for a publication, there are a number of choices on what to leave in, what to leave out, and you should decide to highlight. Today's episode features a conversation with two disabled editors and writers, Elsa Jonathan Henry and Dominic Creason. Elsa and Dominic were co-guest editors in chief of Disabled People Destroy Science Fiction, an issue from Uncanny Magazine, published in 2018, featuring work by disabled writers. Elsa and Dominic talked about their experiences collaborating and editing this issue together, how they approached and worked with disabled writers, and why having disabled editors in publishing matters. And by the way, for this devotion, I have an essay in this fantastic collection. Call me totally biased. Are you ready? Go, baby, go! So, Elsa Dominic, thank you so much for being on my podcast today. Yeah, we're absolutely thrilled to get to be here today. And why don't we just start with uh, some introductions. Elsa, would you like to go first and then Dominic? Sure. Um, hi, my name is Elsa Shunison Henry. I'm a partially deafblind speculative fiction writer and editor. I was the nonfiction editor for Disabled People Destroy Science Fiction. I co-guest edited it along with Dominic. And um, I've also done work that read a lot of nonfiction places have been published, includes the Boston Globe, Fireside Magazine. Um, and I do a lot of grassroots disability activism, which includes work with New Jersey 11 for change. Great, thank you. Hi, and my name is Dominique Parisien. I am a French-Canadian disabled bisexual writer, poet, and editor. I edited fiction for the Disabled People Destroy issue. My poetry chapbook, uh, We Old Young Ones, is forthcoming from a Canadian chapbook publisher, Frog Hollow Press, through their disability series. They have a dedicated disability series that they started this year. Um, I've written fiction, poetry, nonfiction, some of it published in Quill and Choir, The Fiddlehead, Uncanny, a variety of places. I also work with uh, queer elderly folk and just other elderly folk in general. And those are a lot of the intersections that I work with. Wonderful, thank you. Uh, So I was wondering if both of you could tell me how you became involved with this Disabled People's Destroyed Science Fiction issue of Uncanny Magazine. you know, what were your roles and responsibilities as editors-in-chief? Uh, Dominic, do you want to go first? Uh, certainly. So I was approached by Lynn and Michael Thomas uh, after working on the Starlit Wood 
which was my anthology with Saga Press, uh, they really enjoyed the material in that, and they thought that our interests were quite similar. I'd also written an essay for them on a strange condition called Alice in Wonderland Syndrome, or Todd's Syndrome, which is something that I have in my essay intersected with chronic pain, with insomnia, with a number of my intersections for disability, uh, because they usually overlap with Alice in Wonderland Syndrome. And they published that, and we talked at length about disability, both within the context of that essay and outside of it. And when it came time for Disabled People Destroy, they immediately approached me for that. So um, I wrote an essay for them called Act Up, Rise Up, uh, the people at Uncanny, Michael and Lynn. And um, it's about being a disabled activist and about my father's legacy. Uh, he was an AIDS victim and he was also an activist before he died. Um, and about sort of the role that he played in raising me as an activist with a disability. Um, and they said, hey, uh, this is a really great essay. We really loved this. Do you have any experience editing nonfiction? And I was like, yes, some. I had some suspicions about what was going on, but like they didn't explicitly say it. And then they sent an email offering the nonfiction position. And I was thrilled because this is the kind of work that um, I've been wanting to do for a long time. I think that disability specific um, science fiction and fantasy projects are really important because our genre doesn't always include us. Yeah, one thing that I was really delighted about it is that, you know, very often there are special issues or disability focus issues that'll have all disabled writers, but very often they're not edited by disabled people. And I think that really matters. Tell me a little bit about the process of how you collaborated with your colleagues and, you know, feel free to give shout outs to the folks that you worked with on this issue and uh, what the process was like putting this whole thing together. Sure. So, you know, it was actually interesting. We, Dominique and I talked a lot about how to work together as a team because one of the things that's consistently true in any disabled pro focused project is that somebody's always going to be having some kind of medical thing going on. It's just the truth. So we had to balance when one of us was having a bad day, the other one would step up when we were doing a lot of the prep work. When, um, when I was having an ocular migraine, I was like, okay, you need to take over the emails for the next day. Um, I'm going to go bury my head underneath some blankets. Uh, and we would, we would just trade off and support each other. And I think the level of communication that we had during the project was really high. And that was with both of us. That was with uh, our co-editors. Um, that was with our authors. We were really engaged with the people we were working with and making sure that everybody was able to do the task. And if there was something that somebody needed help with, we were able to step up and do it because of that intimate communication style. How about you, Dominic? Yeah, I, I do love that collaborative aspect. Um, this, more than anything I've worked on, 
felt like a community project in that sense. Um, it, a lot of it was as much about the project as it was building the relationships that are evolved around it. So, like we are some of you asked for some of our other people involved. So we had Judith Tarr on reprints. We had Nicolette Barishoff for personal essays, and we also had S. Chuyi Lu uh, for the poetry. And Elsa and I worked a little more closely because we were overseeing the project, and at the same time we had the general angles on everything. But we were checking in regularly with everyone. And Elsa's absolutely right that.、Uh, There were there were days where either one of us or another member of staff was wasn't necessarily able to function on that specific day.、Uh, there were times where I was messaging Elsa and I'd had a violent convulsive episode the day before, and I looking at my screen was virtually impossible and I had to rest for a long time. And we would switch off on those things and not just those bad moments, but at the same time. Because we were all aware of the things that everyone was dealing with, we were checking in regularly, whether it was a good day or not, just to see how things were proceeding and if we could do anything for anyone. And that kind of proactivity、uh, often doesn't happen with people who don't understand what disabled people are faced with. Yeah, I think this is what、uh, Roger did be a big disclose access intimacy. Yeah, it's the idea that disabled people just, you know, we understand each other's needs and we are we recognize the interdependence, you know, that we have with other people, and that, you know, it's not a big deal if you're having a bad day. I will lift you up because I know you will lift me up, and I think that's that's something so beautiful about. Our people and our culture, and I think it shows also a great lesson for you know how people think about work because there is such a rigid idea of how work has to be structured. I mean, do both of you either share about like just like publishing it and to be a writer? How like the work of writing is itself like. There's definitely a lot of glorification of individuality in in publishing and writing. There, there's a lot of that perpetuation of the idea that you know you you shouldn't rely on others, like either in terms of aspects of mentorship or aspects of just vulnerability with others. There's there's that idea of the Less and less, I think, because community has become such a topic of discussion. But a lot of it, there is that kind of glorification of that person who's able to isolate themselves and and write these genius pieces,、um, not just without the input of others, but without any support of anything. You know that idea that oh, they they pushed away their family and their friends and all of these things, and they did it on their own and. That's that's an extremely limited idea because that's very much not a reality for a great number of people. So I think it's definitely an issue in our field, but I think that's also just in the arts in general. You know, it's it's kind of funny that you bring this up because、um, we just started working on the science. I'm a member of CIFWA, the Science Fiction Writers of America, 
and I'm currently working on creating a uh, committee for disability within the structure to create resources for disabled writers to have support because there's a lot of things that matter that we don't often think of in publishing. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine who's a wheelchair user who wants to write a book and they're in their sort of thinking about how the life of an author would work for them. They were like, but I don't know if I'll ever get to go on books book tour because I don't know if there are any accessible bookstores. I was like, well, we could have a database. So like, that's something that I personally am working on because they see a lot of ableism in publishing. I see a lot of um, expectations put on writers and on editors about how the job gets done. I see a lot of expectations about what an author looks like or what an author must do. And I think that we need to start shifting those expectations to include more people. If if the two future authors share maybe some of the major challenges you faced as you know co-editors in chief of this issue, like you know what was difficult about putting together a, a massive issue like this? You know, it was interesting. Uh, I think the biggest challenge that we faced was during our submissions period. Because uh, we, ha I, I specifically, but I know Dominic had to do some of this, was I had to do a lot of emotional labor to convince people that they were allowed to submit. So a lot of people would send me Twitter DMs or emails saying, so I have such and such disability, and I don't know if I'm disabled enough to submit. And then I would have to like talk to them and figure it out, and it was really stressful. Uh, and we also didn't initially have enough submissions, so we had to extend our period because disability time. Not everybody can work as quickly as an able-bodied writer, so we just needed to give people more time to get work in. But I think really it was the submissions period that was the hardest thing. Yeah, that was definitely uh, a genuinely challenging aspect. Uh, Elsa's a little too humble to mention this, but she had an essay on tour called You Are Disabled Enough that essentially at first we went into extended dialogues with writers and people uh, online in a variety of ways, having discussions about why, yes, they should be able to uh, to submit. And eventually by the end, we were doing it so much that we were frequently linking Elsa's essay because Elsa's essay perfectly encapsulated everything that we were trying to talk about being disabled enough for the, sorry, that wasn't on tour, right, Elsa? That was on Uncanny, it was your personal essay. Yeah, it was Uncanny because that was, um, we published it with personal essays and that's in the final magazine. Yeah, sorry about that, but yeah, it was, it was, up before um, before the submission period was open, but it it was it encapsulated a lot of the issues that writers have in relation to disability and community, where self exclusion is is such a major element, and that was the recurring problem throughout a lot of it. And I mean, 
we Elsa and I had talked about it. I I myself had those those difficulties because for years I didn't identify as disabled because I didn't think it qualified, and especially in fr I'm francophone and in French, um, almost everyone still uses the word handicapped, and it was one of those things where because I didn't have a mobility disability. Um, Everyone I'd grown around with, especially in a small town, knew I had a very serious medical condition and I couldn't drive and I couldn't do a great deal of things. But because I didn't have that specific language and I didn't have community, um, that wasn't accessible for me. And I think that's the issue that came up with so many of those writers who wanted to work with the project. So it was quite a barrier for a lot of them and that's something we had to work at actively. Yeah, I think sometimes there's also, you know, hesitation because you would say you should read about it, call for stories, call for submissions, and it's about disability-centric. This should be, you know, specifically calling out for disabled writers. I think there's, you know, the fear that, oh, do I have to write about, you know, my experience with disability? Or do I have to center my story, you know, necessarily all about disability versus, you know, just a regular, you know, science fiction fantasy piece. And I think that in itself is another probably hesitation that a lot of writers have that either they don't want to be pigeonholed or they may feel like uh, they have to kind of fit their submission, their story to like, a certain topic. Did either of you get those sort of questions or concerns? Yeah, we definitely, uh, our, our guidelines were very clear that we encouraged um, stories. I'll just talk about the fiction specifically, and Elsa, if you want to jump in after. Um, yeah, we were very clear that we were very welcoming of stories that dealt with disability specifically, but they didn't need to. Um, if provided that it was disabled writers, that was the qualification for it. Otherwise, we were very happy to have stories that didn't necessarily deal with disability because disabled writers always bring their perspectives to their stories, regardless of whether the story explicitly has a disabled character in it. Um, but I will say that Frankly, uh, about 75% of the stories that we received did explore disability in, in pretty specific ways. And I think that pointed to the lack of the opportunities for those kind of stories, or at least the perceived lack, because they, people aren't necessarily encouraged to write them. I think a lot of folks are intimidated submitting it to writers or to editors and magazines that don't necessarily showcase it or ask for it explicitly. So this issue of Uncanny Magazine, uh came out on September 2018, and I'd like to ask both of you, um, what's been the response, uh, especially of the science fiction fantasy community? So, you know, it's been interesting. The, 
the response to certain essays has been huge on Twitter. Um, I've seen a lot of people retweeting specific essays, and it's hard to really predict which essays are going to be the ones that people get excited about. Um, but I was really happy to see that Terry Zinn's essay about uh, science fiction genre and um, blackness has been really well received, and A.J. Hockwitz's essay about anxiety was very well received, as well as Fran Wilde's essay on empathy. Um, and I've been really happy to hear from disabled people within sort of my, my circles have emailed me to say that they were really excited about the issue. Um, but I have not heard as much as maybe I had hoped to about the nonfiction, uh, primarily because people don't really review nonfiction that often, so it's a little bit more difficult to track. Yeah, the response has been good. The, Elsa's point is also one that I felt where uh, I had hoped that there would be more uh, critical engagement with the essays. There's been a lot of interest and fascination online with the essays. Um, but there's there's frequently a lack of discourse uh, in in long form about nonfiction. I think that's always a little unfortunate, especially in this context. Um, generally, uh, the there we've seen a couple of reviews pop up. Uh, we had one in Locus and a few other places, and they've been good. Um, it's Twitter has really been the place that we've seen the most engagement with stories and the most enthusiasm and the most, con the most conversation. Uh, due to co-author Tech Manifesto is the issue that talked about that, you know, the fact that there is no one monolithic disability experience or narrative to that this issue of Icelandic medicine is part of an ongoing conversation. So what challenge do you want to give to readers, publishers, and other editors out there as an editor through your experience on this issue? Yeah, so I'm actually, I want to challenge publishers and editors because I feel like especially able-bodied editors um, don't often get disability narratives. And so they pass on them because they're, they're either afraid to touch them or they don't want to they don't want to get, you know, smacked by somebody who doesn't agree with the story. And I feel like able-bodied editors need to get over that. We need to be seeing more disability stories out there. And the only way that that happens is if publishers and editors are willing to take them on. Um, there's not always going to be a perfect situation of two disabled editors editing a special issue on disability and science fiction or fantasy or horror or something else. Sometimes you're just going to have disability stories in your general publication, and that's okay. And actually, it's great, because it means that we're mainstreaming, and we're not just doing special issues. Thank you, Elsa. How about you, Dominic? Yeah, I recently had an essay with Cool Inquire that was discussing specifically that. Is like Our manifesto said the same thing, that the special issues are important, and they, they are extremely valuable in terms of creating conversations around each other uh, but at the same time if those are the only contexts in which um, not just disability but any marginalized identity uh, is featured prominently 
then it makes it very easy to segregate those things and not to have them appear alongside the other fiction, making it feel like the, either the quality or the importance of that fiction is not equal to the others. And I think that we genuinely do need to see more of that type of fiction in general uh, within context. And I think that specifically for publishers, they do genuinely need to look at their editorial teams and with an eye for d diversity in general, and that also includes disability. And I think disability is one of those things that is frequently forgotten in, converse in conversations when we talk about dis disability and, and, sorry, diversity and decolonization of working environments. Um, and also, quite seriously, I mean, Elsa and I are both white and like, disability is frequently discussed within a white context. And that is genuinely one of the things that I think needs to be done better in a lot of conversations about disability is looking at the variety of intersections of disability. I mean, I'm white and, and disabled and queer. Um, and I know that frequently it's a specific approach to disability that is discussed. And there's a lot that's missing from the conversations, even in special issues and even in general. And I think that's one of the tremendous challenges uh, facing representation in the field is to ensure that disability conversations are intersectional. Yes. Uh, is there any final topics, anything you'd like to share with me uh, before we wrap up, Elsa? Uh, I would just say, you know, if you're looking for people to edit things about disability, both Dominic and I are great people to talk to because we may very well have availability and I would certainly love to edit more. Um, and just look for other people besides us too though look for people of color who are disabled look for more queer people who are disabled because i'm also queer but think about how to engage with our community and find more people and really listen to us um and don't forget to pay us yes always always pay us um, how about you david any final shoppers uh yeah just the the same kind of um conversation about finding more disabled people. Uh, not everyone is always directly visibly disabled or will necessarily be talking about it. Um, again, in terms of challenge and the like, I would definitely challenge editors and publishers and people out there to, when they look at this specific project, uh, it'd be great if we see more of these names in other venues but I would also like some of those people interested in projects like this to reach out to us and to others and ask who the other voices are, the people who either didn't make it into this project or weren't able to contribute in time so that it is, we aren't perpetuating the same voices all the time um, because that tends to happen within these projects. You know, someone becomes the one disability writer that publishers, editors, and other writers know and they're the only one that others can point to. And that's kind of the danger of those projects. 
yes, you know, we want Elsa and I want to be able to pay our bills, but also please hire other disabled editors so that it is a variety of perspectives and not just our takes on disability. Well, Elsa Davidich, I I just really appreciate Disability uh, Top of your day, and thank you so much for sharing about your experience and all the labor and love that you put in this issue. I just feel like this is something really special that is going to really last, and it's such a gift to the world. So thank you both. Thank you so, so much for having us, Alice. Alice, thank you for everything that you do for our community. These kind of community buildings and putting disabled writers in conversation with each other and disabled artists in conversation with each other has an absolute impact. So like, thank you for this. It's a pleasure being here. And I think it's tremendously important work. This podcast is a production of the Disability Visibility Project. And all our community dedicated to creating, sharing, and amplifying disability media and culture. All episodes creating text transcripts are available at disabilityvisibilityproject.com slash podcast. You can also find out more about Elsa Dobbins' work on our website. The audio producer for this episode is Geraldine Asu. Introduction by Latif McCloud. The music by Motor Sports Camp. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or Google Play. You can also support our podcast for a dollar a month or more by going to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash dvp. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash dvp. Thanks for listening. Did see you on the internet. Bye! Rocket to the blast off. Stop, drop, dance off.